Right. I want you to notice that last verse uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. It says, In that he saith a new covenant, he maketh the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And I want to preach today on the doctrine of the old covenant. This is something that is important that we get a hold of and that we understand. And I'm regularly horrified by false doctrine that is coming out of Independent Fundamental Baptist Church is it's getting it's getting so bad. I'm beginning to wonder if the IFB movement will even survive another generation. And while I do believe there will always be churches preaching the truth until Jesus returns, I am doubting more and more that you're going to be finding that truth in the IFB movement. It's just getting so bad overall or in the hashtag old paths movement. Unless there is a great reformation in this movement, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned. And I do. I believe that the hashtag Old Paths movement, they've allowed many false doctrines to creep in to that movement over a period of decades. And any attempt to fix the cancer of dispensationalism, it has, it has, it has caused persecution all in the name of Old Paths. And listen, it's not just people from our crowd or people that are like us. There's other groups out there. There's other Baptists that have been calling out this dispensational stuff and they get the same treatment, immediately canceled. And this failure to remove this cancer of dispensationalism, it has caused many in the IFB world to teach that the New Covenant and the New Testament are the same, are not the same. And that the New Covenant is for Israel. And it's not for us. That is being taught in Baptist churches. They'll say the new covenant is something for the Jews. It's for Israel. It's still to come. And let me tell you, IFB Bible colleges have greatly failed students who have spent thousands of dollars to get a Bible education. They've taught them a methodology rather than theology. And we have a generation of preachers that are incapable of articulating what they believe. But they're zealous in their readiness to attack anyone who says something that seems to veer off from the hashtag old paths. And so I want to preach a message this week on the old covenant and next week on the new covenant because it's so important that we understand what we have with the new covenant. We take a lot of, there's so much we take for granted as Christians that should cause us to rejoice, that should bring us joy and excitement every day. But I do believe if we have a proper understanding of both of these covenants, it will give you a a proper understanding of all things that dispensationalism attempts to teach but fails miserably. And there are are many people who are, are good people in that world who are just attempting to reconcile some things in the Scriptures and they're just using a very flawed method. And so, what specifically was the Old Covenant that the writer of Hebrews said was ready to vanish away. Because theologians, they they love to cause confusion, always talking about all the different covenants from the Old Testament period. And they often bring these things up, I think, only to cause confusion, or it's kind of like a sleight of hand. It's like a magician, when he's trying to make you think he did some kind of magic trick, they use sleight of hand. They'll use misdirection. They will use, they, they get your attention on something else, that way they can do something, you know, under your nose, you know, that you're not, that you're not seeing. 
as a way to deceive you with some bad teaching. And I think that's what people do when they start talking about a lot of these different covenants. And I want to be 100% clear about what the old covenant was that was ready to vanish away. I think we all need to understand that. If we have a proper understanding of the old covenant, we will have a better understanding of the new covenant. And I think it will make us more thankful for what we have. It will help us realize what we have under this under the new covenant. But look at, look at what it says in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 8. He says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Okay, What's the sum? You add things up, this is the answer, right? All these things he's been talking about in Hebrews 1 through 7, here's the sum. We can sum it all up with this. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Okay, so this covenant, okay, the old covenant that he is referring to here, this is a direct reference to the things of the tabernacle that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. It was when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God gave him the Ten Commandments, but God also gave him the instructions for the tabernacle. He told him to make the Ark of the Covenant and the lampstand and the table of showbread. And he gave them the practices that the Levites would do. Hey, do this offering. Here's the red heifer offering. Here's the scapegoat offering. He gave them all these different things in the mount. Those things were all a part of that old covenant. Those sacrifices. He gave them the feasts in Mount Sinai. They had the Feast of Tabernacles and all those different feasts. The Feast of Passover. All those things were given on Mount Sinai. And he gave them the law. All those things were a part of that old covenant. And in Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Why did He say that? Because those things of the law were serving a purpose. They weren't just things that they did. They were things that were meant to accomplish something. And so when Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy those things or just eliminate those things. No, I came to fulfill those things. The things of the law, they actually were a picture of a work that needed to be accomplished. And Jesus was coming to accomplish those things. And so he said, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So that law served a purpose for a time and we do not keep the law because the things they were intended to fulfill were completed by Jesus. He finished these things so we don't have to do these things anymore. So verse 6 says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if the first test, or first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Now, what was wrong with this first covenant? Well, there was nothing wrong with the covenant. It was a good covenant. Okay? But there was a big problem with the people. 
that he made the covenant with, and that is they could not keep that covenant. And it says, for finding fault with them. He says, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, right here is why they've got to take this away you know, from the church. Because they're constantly saying, church isn't Israel. The church didn't replace Israel. These are two completely different things. Okay, Not recognizing the fact that, wait, when Christ came, He reformed some things. He fulfilled some things. So there were some things that changed when Jesus brought in the new covenant, but because they insist on harping on this idea that God's not done with Israel, when you look at this verse here, you have to either say one of two things. Well, either the new covenant is a part of the church too, and therefore the church and Israel are connected, or this is something that's still to come in the future, and that's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm, pro- I'm not going to probably spend a whole lot of time too showing how the New Testament and the New Covenant are the same. I get that those are two different words. But when we actually study those words and why they use the word testament and why they use the word covenant, even though we see they come from the same Greek word. you know it's the same Greek word for testament and covenant? But I believe they use the word testament for a reason. I believe they use the word covenant for a reason. And we'll probably talk about that next week. I'm going to let everybody, I'm going to leave everybody hanging a little bit on that. But when you realize, you know, how those are, words are connected and why, it, you'll find it's even more ridiculous to claim that the new covenant is not for us. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we'll talk more about that next week. But there was nothing wrong with this covenant. There was something wrong with the people. And so when we see this, when he says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is where dispensationalists reveal their witchcraft-like rebellion and their idolatrous stubbornness. They see Israel and Judah, and they just insist this can't apply to us. Because again, if we're right and the new covenant has come, then just understand this one verse right here debunks for, I mean, completely their lie separating the church and Israel. It completely debunks it. And so notice verse 9. But again, they can get away with saying this if their audience is ignorant about what the Old Covenant was and about what the New Covenant is. And you'll find out typically they are. They can't define these things. They can't define what the Old Covenant is. But notice Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews is specifically talking about the tabernacle, the things of the tabernacle, the things that were given on Mount Sinai. So verse 9 He says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. So Israel did not keep what the Bible calls the old covenant. But what the theologians, that what they do is they insist on calling it the Mosaic covenant. We'll say, well, yeah, Israel, they failed to keep the Mosaic covenant, but the Abrahamic covenant still applies to them. Now, isn't it interesting that they bring that up because we don't see the Bible use those terms. Isn't it interesting how they always, again, they bring in their theological terms because, again, if you make up words, you can make up your own definitions. And that's where they insert their false doctrine. But I'm going to show you, too, the, the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant are connected. They are without a doubt absolutely connected to each other. And so... They, but they're going to use these extra biblical terms because, again, you make up a term, you can make up a definition, but if you use God's words, 
then your definition will be forced to fit with the context of the Scripture that used that word. And so look what it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18. This is where the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant are connected. In Galatians 3.18, it says, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. For or Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So what can we learn from this? Well, this so-called Mosaic Covenant is in fact connected to the Abrahamic Covenant, but the people, they try to separate it to give Israel a special promise. But understand that while the promise to Abraham was a good promise, it was fulfilled through Christ, and it goes to those who are in Christ, not those who are of the law. You can't separate these covenants. These, that Mosaic Covenant or that Mosaic Law, it was added because... Israel kept sinning as a people. Okay, laws get added because of sins. Okay, and that's what happened. Originally, when God gave Abraham that covenant, circumcision was all that was mentioned. But because they kept doing bad things, they had to add laws so they could survive as a people. And it was it's and we've illustrated this before. I mean, and it's like this in everybody's home. Often in a home, you have to make rules and you have to make new rules. You have to add rules. You know why? Because your kids find new ways to do bad things. Now, if your kids were just good, you wouldn't have to have rules. You shouldn't have to make a list of rules saying don't get toilet paper wet and throw it and make it stick in the ceiling. But you know what? You know, if kids start doing that, you got to you got to add that law. You got to add that rule. Same thing, too, for Singspiration tonight. We don't have any rules. Okay. And does that mean that, Pastor Tommy, you're okay with just anything? Absolutely not. Okay, I don't think I need to make a bunch of rules for all of you. I think you all are godly people who love the Lord and you want to honor the Lord. And I don't think I have to tell you not to get up and do a gospel rap song. But let me tell you, if somebody thinks it's okay to get up and do a gospel rap song, we're going to add a rule for next year and say no rap. And you know what? And it's going to get named after you. Because, because you did that. So that's how, so understand, you know, when you have a, you know, when you have a place that's got like a ton of rules, like schools, handbooks, they're always adding rules to handbooks. Why? Because of terrible things, you know, that kids come up with. Ways they find around the rules. And I could tell a bunch of stories. I'm not going to go into the stories where just kids have come up with creative ways to misbehave. And they, and you know, and they're like, it's not, I didn't go against the handbook. And so then you know what the teachers do? They get together and they have to add some of the handbook. And that's all, that's always because of wickedness. And the same thing happened with Israel. Okay, the Moses, what God gave Moses, it's still connected with Abraham. It didn't make those promises void. Okay, so again, I show you all that to show it's pointless to try to separate these things, but people do. So verse 10 says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And now this next verse right here, what everybody does, 
because they don't understand what the Old Covenant is, they will take an overly literal interpretation of this because they don't understand the Old Covenant and they will tell you this doesn't apply to today. This absolutely applies to today. If For you to think that this doesn't, it's because you don't understand what the Old Covenant was and you don't understand what the New Covenant is. But look what it says. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. And I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And then for some twisted reason, people, they'll, they'll read this passage and they will tell you, this can't be today because does everyone know the Lord today? I've had Ruckman ask me, do you believe in soul winning today? Well, of course I believe in soul winning. Well, here it says, they're not going to have to teach every man to know the Lord because everybody's going to know Him. That's how they interpret that. They look and they'll... Because again, they, they don't understand the Old Covenant. They don't understand the New Covenant. But right here, it says all are going to know Me. This is obviously for the Millennial Kingdom because not everyone know, knows the Lord today. And we do. We have to teach people to know the Lord. And so they'll go into all these things, you know, these things showing this can't be for today. But folks, right here, this shows a level of ignorance that one could only gain from years of indoctrination in a Bible college, not from studying the Scriptures. Okay? And so to make a statement like this shows that one does not understand either covenant. But let's look at some more what the Bible says about this old covenant that was ready to vanish away. And I'll show you exactly what that means. Because it's, it's really not that complicated. But people are getting confused. Because here's the thing. Remember, the chapter divisions, they weren't originally in the Scriptures. Those things were added to help us find things. And they're a blessing. So when we get into chapter 9, we are continuing to talk about that covenant. We're, we're still on the same subject. And there is not a Baptist on the planet that has not preached from Hebrews chapter 9 and applied it to us today. But notice all of this that he's about to say comes after chapter nine or chapter eight, where he talks about that old covenant that was ready to vanish away. And look what it says. For verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. That's that tabernacle or that temple. For there was that tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And uh, after that, the second, the veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was a golden pot that had manna and Aaron's butt, uh, rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, okay, when these things were thus ordained, let's talk about something from the past, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, to which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Now, if you were a Jew in the first century when this was written, you're going to know exactly what he's talking about. Hey, we're familiar with these things. We've been to the temple before. You know, obviously they didn't go into the holy place and the holy of holies, but they were familiar with those practices that the priests did. They, they knew all about this. Hey, we've been watching these things for generations. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, us, you know, we've never been under this. We don't really need these things. But understand, 
all of the things that they did with the tabernacle, with the sacrifices, with the feasts, they were all pointing to something. And I think we would all agree, and no matter how much dispensational Kool-Aid you drank, you would agree that it was all pointing to Jesus Christ. I think we would all get that. And look what it said. It said in verse 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. So the Holy Ghost is signifying something here that was not revealed while that first tabernacle was there, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Notice those things were temporary. And notice what he says, the meats and drinks. Every New Testament Christian ought to get excited about that. Hey, we can eat Christmas ham this Christmas. You know why? We're not under those dietary restrictions. You know what? We're not under the, the, the feasts, the, the Sabbaths, all of those things. He specifically mentions these things. The divers' washings. Nobody washed their feet when they came in here today. Hopefully took a shower at home this morning. But we didn't have any ceremonial cleansings that we had anybody do today. Why? Because we have a sanctifying of the Holy Spirit that's better than those washings. It's better than all those things. So the carnal ordinances, they were only for a time. Which, um, But Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So folks, it is crystal clear that the Old Covenant was a reference to the things of the temple, the sacrifice, the feast, the Sabbath. That's what the Old Covenant was. That's what those people operated under. And those things served a purpose. So what about when he said, we will not need to teach the people to know the Lord? Why did he say that? Okay, Because again, do we go soul winning today? Of course we go soul winning. But what did, what did he mean by this? This is what we've got to get a hold of. Okay, So first off, let me just tell you what he meant by that. But then I'm going to prove it to you from the Scripture. The things of the Old Testament, those were God's way of teaching them about the Lord. The, the things of the temple, that was God's way of teaching them about the Lord. It was His way of teaching them about God's holiness and man's sinfulness. It was God's way of preparing them to understand who the Messiah would be and why He would do all the things that He was going to do. So under this old covenant system, it was something that you could be born into and you were in the covenant as long as you were circumcised in the eighth day as a male. But those under the old covenant were not all necessarily saved. Everyone agrees with that. You could be removed from that old covenant. In Genesis seventeen fourteen, it says, "In the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant." Oh, they were good as long as they got circumcised. Well, according to Galatians, you have to keep. If you keep one law, you have to keep all of the law for righteousness. And guess what? Laws were added because of transgression, and so there was a bunch more laws than just the the circumcision added. Why? Because Israel kept doing stuff. Because they kept doing bad things. So, 
No one was saved by the old covenant, but there were saved people during that time who were saved by faith without works. Like Abraham, he got saved before the circumcision. And not to get ahead of myself, but we need to understand too that even though salvation was by grace and through faith, during that time, there weren't near as many saved people as there are today. Because right? there, there was a lot that had not yet been revealed. And so while they were under this covenant, the hope was that they would receive a circumcision of the heart at some point and have faith in God so they would be saved. And the things of the covenant were made to help them know the Lord so they would come to that realization. That was how God spoke. The way God spoke to them of the Gospel was through the things of the temple. It was supposed to teach them something. I'm going to show you all this from the Scripture. And so Galatians 3.23 says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So the law, it was, it was a schoolmaster. It was meant to teach them something. It was meant to bring them to Christ. And then Deuteronomy 6.1 says, Now the commandment, these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, or hear therefore, o Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, and the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That's the first and greatest commandment. Watch this. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Now, how are we going to get them in their heart? Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So, under that old covenant, God gave them the law, God gave them the temple, the sacrifices, God gave them all these things to teach them about who God was, to teach them about His holiness, to help them understand man's sinfulness and their need for righteousness that could only come through a sacrifice. And so, that was how God taught them. But now, under the new covenant, this is why He said... So, under the old covenant, again, if you were born in Israel, you were circumcised on the eighth day, you were in the covenant. You were the people of God. Did not mean you were saved and you were going to heaven. And so God commanded them to diligently teach their children so these things would be in their heart. And the hope was that one day they would have that circumcision of the heart, that they would have that desire for righteousness, and that they would trust in God by faith. But that was how they learned during that time. When Christ came, He brought, and there's a different way that He teaches us. And so look what it says in Hebrews 1. Verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son whom He hath appointed heir of all things by whom also He made the world. God in the past spoke through the law, spoke through the things of the temple, but in these last days He's spoken by His Son. 
And guess what? That's better. Okay, that's a theme we're going to see throughout Hebrews. So listen, when we hear the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we believe it, and we put our faith and trust in it, we are immediately born again, and we receive a new nature, we have a resurrected spirit, and we know the Lord, and we don't need the feasts. We don't need those things of the law, the sacrifices, the carnal ordinances to teach us about who God is. We learned it through Jesus Christ. Do you all understand that? That's what he's talking about with the new covenant. That's why we don't need to teach everyone to know the Lord. So they would, they would before under the old covenant, they would do all those things of the law, hoping to get the, you know, get the right things in their heart so they would know the Lord, love the Lord, and then eventually get circumcised in the heart and be saved. Well, today, and then, but the thing is, those under that old covenant, if that never happened, they could be broken off from that covenant. They could be cut off from that covenant. The way we get into the new covenant is by faith in Christ. So when a person believes on Christ, you know what that means? They have learned all the things already that the law attempted to teach through the feast and all those things. The, the, the feast... The sacrifices, they all pointed to Jesus Christ. But folks, isn't it so much better what we have today where we have the revealed Son of God, we have the Scriptures that show us the death, burial, and resurrection, that gives us the very image that the things of the Old Covenant were just a shadow of and that pointed to? What we have today is so much better. And so everyone that's in here who has been saved, every child that's in here, one of these days there are going to come a point where because they have heard the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, they will have learned those things about God. They will be saved and they will receive the Holy Spirit. They will be in that new covenant. And so we're not, now it doesn't mean we're going to, we don't have to teach them anything. Obviously we want to learn more about the scriptures, but they know the Lord on that point. If somebody believes on Christ, they know the Lord. They, they, they know the Lord and he puts these things on their heart. And, uh, and that's what people need to understand about that. So everyone who's in the new covenant, we all know the Lord. And you know what? We will not be broken off. You can't get taken out of this new covenant. We have something so much better. So look what it says in Isaiah 56, verse 4. It says, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Did you know eunuchs under the old covenant, they weren't able to go into the tabernacle. They, they, they were cut off from certain things. But here in Isaiah 56, it's saying the eunuchs that take hold of my covenant. I'm going to give them a place. I'm going to give them a name better than of sons and daughters. You know why? Because unlike Israel, who could be broken off and cut off from the covenant, those who get in on that new covenant through faith, not through the things of the law, they will never have their name cut off. And there were, there were many people that were under the old covenant that were not saved, that did not know the Lord. How about Hophni and Phinehas? They did not know the Lord. But they, yet they were the priests. They were the sons of the high priest. But they didn't know the Lord. They were sons of Belial. Deuteronomy 10.12 says, and now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, 
to keep his commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also and all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Even then, God wanted them to have a circumcision of the heart. He wanted them to get saved. He wanted them to have faith. He wanted them to have a true righteousness that comes from faith. And this is what we see in Romans 2. I preached on this a while back. But it says, For circumcision, in verse 25, verily profiteth if thou keep the law. Meaning all of it. But, if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Because you broke another law, the one law that you kept, it's voided out. It's canceled out. You're a lawbreaker. And look what it says. Therefore, if the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? So if a Gentile, if they're following one of God's laws, okay, if one law makes you righteous, like the circumcision, then that would mean Gentiles who are being obedient to one law, that would also make them righteous too, then, according to your reasoning. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by letter and circumcision does transgress the law? If those who don't even have the law are following it, aren't they better than you who have the law and have been circumcised? And that's why he goes on to say, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. And listen, let no man deceive you with these passages and understand clearly what I'm about to say. Paul is showing salvation is not about one's performance of the law and it never has been. He is showing that a Gentile who does something right from the heart is better than one who is just following the letter of the law, but in their heart they're disobedient. That's what he's showing. So when God said in the Old Testament to be obedient to the law, and people's hearts were towards God, and people wanted righteousness, understand they received that righteousness by faith, like Abraham did, because even though they didn't keep the law, Did Abraham keep the law in his life? Of course not. But even though he didn't keep the law, because he desired that righteousness and he had faith in God, the blood of Christ covered all of his failures and transgressions. Even Lot, his failures and transgressions were covered. And that's why in in the New Testament we read about just Lot. Just Lot? He wasn't just. Well, actually he was because he was a faith. And the blood of Christ covered all those sins that he did. But so again, today, through the life of Christ, God has fully revealed that man cannot be righteous by the law. He was fully revealed how Jesus paid it all. And when we believe that message and we desire that righteousness, guess what? We receive it. That's why it says in Romans 10.10, For with the heart 
man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, again, that when in Hebrews, when it talks about you're not going to need to teach everyone to know the Lord, they needed to do that under that old covenant so these people would be saved. And the reason that they kept becoming so wicked as a nation is because they kept forgetting the Lord because they weren't following the law. They weren't doing the practices like they were supposed to. And so they never achieved that righteousness. And so under this new covenant, under this new covenant that we have, understand when we believe the gospel, we do. We've, we've, we've learned. How did we learn who the Lord is? How did we get to know the Lord? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone who knows the gospel knows what God wanted Israel to learn about the Lord through the things of the law. We already know those things. And folks, this is another reason that infant baptism is so wrong. Because many people, they think, well, you know, it's just a picture of the new covenant. And just like they had the circumcision in the Bible, they do with babies. You know, we can baptize babies today. No, absolutely not. Abso- absolutely not. Because under that old covenant, that was, that was something you could get cut off of. But under, under the new covenant, we believe in believer's baptism. We, we baptize those who know the Lord. Where if you baptize somebody before they're saved, we kind of have to do like Israel. We've got to do all these things to teach them to know the Lord and all these things so they can enter into the covenant. No, you're not into the covenant until you know the Lord under the new covenant. That's why, so we should never baptize babies. That is just going to give a false assurance. That's going to cause confusion. We do not baptize unbelievers. We only baptize believers, those who have entered in to that new covenant, those who know the Lord. And if somebody does not know the Lord, meaning they don't know the gospel. If somebody comes to this church and they're like, I want to be a part of this church. Well, do you know the Lord? Well, you know how we're going to find out they know the Lord? You know how we, what we ask them? We ask them about their salvation. How do you know you're saved? If they talk about their works, they don't know the Lord. But if they tell us about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how He paid for their sins and they're eternally secure, hey, they know the Lord. Then we'll baptize those people. We'll baptize. They obviously have entered into the covenant. And so, that's why the heart, Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And so why did the writer of Hebrews say the old covenant was vanishing away? Well, because, again, what, what is the old covenant? It's the things of the temple, right? It's the things of the law. And so because Jesus had already fulfilled the things of the law, because He had made sacrifice for sins, it was only going to be a short time later, and God was going to completely remove the things of the old covenant, meaning the things of the temple the destruction of the temple, the physical temple, that, that He's going to dissolve the physical nation. All right, hey, we're done. We used this for a long time. This was the method. It had a purpose. It served its purpose. But the Messiah came, and you know what? We're done with it. And in Israel, they weren't ready to walk away from it. They wouldn't just let it go. And what did God do? God sent in a heathen army. There was that time of the Gentiles and they came and they trod underfoot Jerusalem. They destroyed that temple. They, there wasn't one stone left upon another. They were dispersed as a people. God was finished with the physical nation. It served its purpose. The kingdom of God would become a new and glorious kingdom that would spread throughout the whole earth. And folks, we are a part of that today. We are a part of that new covenant. We are new covenant people. 
we are the people of God in a better way than even Israel was the people of God back then. We're a people who are secure in our covenant. We are a people where everyone who is a part of the new covenant, we all know the Lord from the least of us to the greatest of us. So well, what if there's somebody in the church is not saved? Then they're not, they're not of us. But hopefully they'll learn. Hopefully they will, from, through hearing the gospel, and then they will know the Lord and they will be saved. And so just kind of a bonus point, whenever God told Israel to do things forever, because did you know there's many things that God said in the law that He gave to Moses that were to be done forever, like the Passover, like the priesthood of Aaron? It says everlasting, forever. And so, you know, your dispensationalists, they look at that and they're like, okay, obviously God's going to have to go back to that Old Testament economy. Well, hey, a 2,000-year break doesn't count as everlasting. You all understand that? Hey, that? That doesn't make any sense either. But just here's what people need to understand. This is what they're just not getting because they don't understand the Old Covenant. Okay, When Jesus came in and brought in the New Covenant, and what did it say? He said, I came to not destroy the law, but to fulfill it. To finish it. Here, here's what we have to realize. The work that the Levites did, the daily sacrifices, the yearly sacrifices, they were, they were meant to accomplish something. And Jesus finished those things. He accomplished those on the cross. So, to illustrate, you know, a, a good way, I guess, to kind of illustrate it. You know, just imagine that I was giving a job to do and, you know, whatever this job is that I'm doing, okay, uh, you know, I, it's, it's going to keep the world from exploding, okay? It's kind of, um, you know, and if I, I'm told you and your family for the rest of your life, there's this th- scientific thing that you have to do to keep the world from exploding. And it's, in, it's given to you to be done forever. Okay, now, if somewhere along the line, you know, generations in the future... God comes along and He says, alright, I'm going to permanently fix what you are preventing from happening. Is that God breaking His promise to me because now I don't get to keep saving the world every day? No. He saved the world. He finished it. He accomplished it. So the, the, the things that the priests were doing, it was something that Jesus finished for them. That's not breaking His promise. That's relieving a burden. That's taking something away that was a burden and that was a challenge and a thing too, by the way, they weren't doing a very good job with. That, so, you know, again, people just don't understand what the purpose of these things were. So it's like, do we need, why do we need to keep continuing to do the Passover when Jesus completed the things of the Passover? What those things were meant to accomplish, Jesus finished those things. What the things of the temple were meant to teach, Jesus taught us those things. He did, he did all those things for us already. It just shows He kept His promise. And so this is why, as New Covenant Christians, we do not sacrifice animals, why we don't keep feasts, why we don't do the dietary restrictions or keep the Sabbath. These were all things that God gave those under the Old Covenant to teach them about the Lord. But understand, in these last days, God has taught us all of these things not through dietary laws, temple practices. God taught us all these things through the work of Jesus Christ, through the gospel. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you learn everything that you need to know 
things that the law were meant, were meant to teach. And so we understand those things were finished. They were, so by revealing, God revealing Himself to us through His Son Jesus Christ, all of those things were finished or fulfilled through Christ. We have entered a new and better age with a new and better covenant. And next week we will talk about some of the specifics of that new covenant that, folks, are truly glorious. The, the new covenant is a truly glorious thing. And there are so many things that we don't have to do anymore that ought to cause us to rejoice. Okay, aren't you glad you didn't have to go through a mikvah and do some kind of cleansing or something before you came in here today? I mean, aren't you glad that, you know, that you don't have to worry about just dropping dead, you know, for not doing some kind of ceremonial thing? Just for, aren't you glad you don't have to worry about losing your salvation? Are you thankful for that? I mean, we ought to be, we ought to be thankful for that. There's, aren't you glad that you are able to just, I mean, we are, we are ready right now to do the service of God. We are ready. Right now, we can go and give somebody the gospel and get them saved without any ceremonial things being done ahead of time. We can, we can sing praises to God even though, again, we're filthy, we can have body odor and all these things, but yet we can offer up praise to God and it is acceptable to Him. We don't realize why that is, I'm, I'm afraid. That's because of what the whole, we have the Holy Spirit. He takes care of, of all that. It doesn't mean that you know, laws aren't important, that we shouldn't try to be good, decent, moral, and all that kind of stuff and try to fulfill these things. But aren't you glad, even though we all mess up and we come short every day, we're still acceptable in the eyes of God. That is a glorious thing that we need, that we need to get a hold of. And you know what? I mean, I think you know, sometimes I think it'd be good if we could see somebody just fall over dead because they weren't acceptable you know, when it comes to these things. That would cause us to take these things more serious. But because we've never seen that before, because we've never experienced any of those things before, we've never seen the ground open up and consume a bunch of people. We've all wanted to several times. But the reality is, you know, we probably needed to get swallowed up a few times. So, the, you know, so the thing is, because we haven't seen these things, we do. We just take for granted what we have. We have something that is truly glorious. And because we have not been teaching it properly, We've got dispensationalists out there telling us that many things that God already accomplished have not been accomplished. And folks, no, they, they have been accomplished. We're just not enjoying them like we should. And I think we ought to enjoy them. So we'll talk more about that next week. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this new and better covenant. I pray you'll help all of us. Lord, anytime we're studying the Old Testament, we're reading about all these things. Just help it. I'll let it cause us to be thankful for what you have revealed to us, what you have accomplished for us, we thank you so much for it. We thank you that uh, that you love this and you save us. But we also thank you that you're willing to use us and let us serve you and be a part of your kingdom. And I pray you'll help us to uh, be faithful in our service to you. In your name, we pray. Amen.